Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Um, we're on Zoom, I'm recording t- this podcast with my friends Sally and Garrett Ferguson. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, happy to be here. And Sally and Garrett are calling in from um, Texas. Tell us where you are in Texas. We live in the Dallas area. Uh, we've both grown up in this area, which uh, Dallas area is big. It's like 7 million people uh, in this Metroplex. So yeah, we've grown up in different parts of that. And um, yeah, I work in downtown Dallas at the moment. So, And um, Sally and Garrett are the parents of four children, roughly age mo- eight months to eight years. They have deep Texas roots, both of them really spending um, their whole lives in Texas from a growing up standpoint, from a professional standpoint, as Garrett mentioned, he's an architect, which is a degree I learned is not offered at BYU. (laughs) It Um, is not. (laughs) And Garrett is somebody that is um, known since the ninth grade exactly what he wanted to do and is doing that. And there are a few of you out there that get that impression very early on, and it's a gift and it's a blessing. And um, we could talk about your role as an architect for quite a while. Um, <laughs> I became aware of Garrett and Sally through um, North Star and the work they're doing with Voices of Hope. And we will link to their Voices of Hope episode or video they did in 2013. They did that when they were talking about their journey um, and what this podcast will link to that so you can kind of get up to speed and listen to this. But this podcast will really talk about it's been eight years since that Voices of Hope. So Garrett will talk about his same-sex attraction, um, Sally Strait, and just how their marriage works and what they're doing with Voices of Hope. Voices of Hope is, I love the naming of that, listeners. Um, it's bringing stories of LGBTQ Latter-day Saints so we can better understand and also give hope to others. But they'll talk about how they manage the Voices of Hope project for North Star um, and what their vision and hope is with that effort. And also a podcast that they have started, a Voices of Hope podcast. We'll link to that podcast in the episode description. I hope that podcast is successful. I encourage you to listen to that. And um, future guests, I encourage you to reach out and be on that podcast Mm -hmm. so we can hear more stories. Stories change hearts and bring us together as the same human family. Is that okay, you two, for an introduction? That sounds great. And that's exactly, I totally agree. Stories, Stories teach the principles, right? Garrett, will you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. So, um... I have grown up in Texas. Uh, I've lived here the majority of my life. Uh, in fact, the only time I haven't lived in Texas, you know, since I was three, uh, was my mission to Poland, um, which I loved and was very cold. <laughs> and I live in Texas because it's not cold. Uh, I definitely like being warm. Uh, I am an architect. Uh, I focus on sustainability. Uh, really trying to make buildings perform better in terms of energy and water, um, using healthier materials and a number of other things. Um, I've really gotten into mountain biking. There's the no last, mountains in Texas. There by are the way. no <laughs> mountains around us. Um, and I've still managed to get into mountain biking because of some good close friends. Um, and that has honestly changed my life. Uh, the chance to get outside and just do something really physical and fun out there on trails, uh, which there are more hills here, right? Obviously. (laughs) Um, 
with, uh, let's see, I'm a big foodie, uh, specifically when it comes to tacos. Um, I am an Enneagram seven to the core, like textbook. It's, it's kind of ridiculous when I read about how, how textbook I am. Um, and I deal with same-sex attraction, which is, uh, something that has been a part of my story for, uh, the majority of my life. Thank you for telling us a little bit about your story, Garrett. Sally, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, I, grew, I also grew up in Texas and I come from a big family and a really big family that talks about a lot of things and we're very close. And um, Garrett honestly just fits right into my family and and we have a ton of fun with them. But um, yeah, I, I spend my time not mountain biking. So I should get into it. I do a lot of running. I'm really passionate about running and uh, really chasing kids. You know, I do that a lot. I'm kind of in that stage and trying to embrace that stage right now of, of, of being a mom to little people. And even though that's not, you know, I could talk a whole episode on how that's not comfortable for me, but I'm doing it. So, um, so that actually has been um, a really growing experience for me, but you know, we've been married 11 years and um, Garrett's same-sex attraction has, you know, we, we talk about it a lot and we have, there was kind of a chunk in there where we didn't talk about it a lot, but um, maybe a couple of years, but I feel like, you know, we are, we tell our story a lot and we um, do a lot of mentoring, but it doesn't really play a role in our marriage that people would um, guess. I think, I think it would surprise them how little same-sex attraction actually affects our marriage. You know, I always tell people that's Garrett's thing. And I have my own things. And I used to say, if this doesn't work out, it's not because he has SSA. I have equally as many things that make this marriage a marriage. And we've really tried to embrace the past several years of doing our own personal work and becoming whole people to make our marriage better. And a really good, um, fulfilling marriage for the both of us. You know, if Garrett's the only one doing, you know, strengthening himself and, and I'm not, that doesn't, it doesn't feel healthy and the same vice versa. So we actually really try to personally like keep ourselves, um, in a good place so that our marriage can work. But honestly, like, you know, technically we are a, what are we, what are we in? Mixed orientation marriage. Yes, that's the term. Tell but we us would never you, say, hey, yeah. we're yeah. Garrett and Sally. We're a mixed orientation marriage. What are you? You know, we would never describe it like that, but but that's what we are. And I, I you know, I don't know if if there's things you would say that like this affects, but like we, we do talk about it. You're very honest with me and open. That's something that like from the very beginning of our marriage, Garrett was like, I will always be honest with you. And mm-hmm. we talk about things. We talk about his attractions. Um, we, we talk about it all. So, um, it, it actually, it really has opened my eyes to a place of like, our marriage is different in the fact that we talk about everything, you know? And I don't think that other marriages don't, but that I feel like is kind of unique to us is that we are really open and honest and, um, you know, what do you say though? Yeah that kind of makes it from the very beginning, you know? Yeah. And I think that stemmed from, um, 
this journey starting so early in my life, right? Like when I was six, I was introduced uh, from a, a another boy my age um, into into acting on these feelings, uh, which at the time I don't even know that I had. In fact, I would probably say at the time I didn't have, truthfully. Um, and uh, that started a, a pattern of of trying to seek that out and understand what those feelings meant and understand what that meant for me. Um, and by the time I met Sally, uh, you know, at the age, like I said, at the ripe old age of six, by the time I met Sally, when I was in my twenties, right. I'd had uh, quite a long time to process that and begin to understand that and what that meant for me. And, um, some therapy that helped me really understand the importance of talking about, all of our feelings and being able to connect in important ways um, and being able to trust each other, right. Being able to trust each other. Um, so yeah, I did. I shared uh, all of this journey with Sally before we were married. Wait, I should have said that. I yeah. did know before we got married. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was, uh, I'm a very subtle person. So um, <laughs> I said, I love you for the first time. And she said, I love you too. And I said, well, I, I want to marry you. And she, her eyes got pretty big <laughs> and she said, I want to marry you too. And I said, oh, good. Well, there's some things I need to talk to you about. And uh, we just went straight into it. So, and um, honestly, looking back, I'm like, we were kind of mature, but we were in our young twenties and really, just we hardly even out. knew Garrett hardly knew even what he was very honest with me, but he was like, I don't, we didn't really know about North star. We didn't know about any resources. So we kind of were like, well, we're going to just go into this and mm-hmm. say a prayer and hope this works. We just really didn't know. I, I didn't even know what that meant for him. I didn't know what it meant for our marriage. And, yeah. you know, really a really brief story. We do say this in our video, but, um, you know, I asked Garrett right before we got married, like probably two days before we got married, I was really just emotional and, um, really had a lot of anxiety about getting married. And they, they also call that cold feet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I just said, I said, you know, what if like you wake up next week and you decide you don't want to be married to me? And he flipped the question on me and said, well, what if you wake up in a week and you decide you don't want to be married to me? And I was like, you can do like, you can flip that back on me, <laughs> you know? And it really was like, no, like we both are choosing this. Right. And I have to make a choice to be in this marriage just as much as Garrett does. So that, that really kind of set this tone of like, this is our choice. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we want to do this together. Yeah. yeah. And we thought we would never talk about it to anybody. And three weeks later, we told my parents and two years later, we made a voices of hope video. And it just honestly has been such a wonderful experience to be able to talk about it. Yeah. No regrets. Yeah. Our video came out so long ago. Um, and we got such a mix of voices uh, that reached back out when our video came out and we first shared our story. Um, and it was lots of positive feedback. Yeah. Oh, almost all. Yeah. 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 Um, I was just really surprised by the number of people reaching out and started sharing these really vulnerable things with me. Mm-hmm. Um, only to to really try to understand why that was happening and why people were telling me, you know, I've never, never told anybody I have an eating disorder. I never told anybody, you know, that I look at pornography and I'm sitting there going like, why are they telling me these things? Like, I don't understand. And I think it really is just because they're willing to be vulnerable and, and real, right. Which I think is uh, really important. Um, 
And as we were able to do that, they were able to feel like they had a safe space to share their own personal challenges, whatever they may be, and be willing to talk about them, right? Um, and which that... Is, which is really when we started, like, you know, consuming people's experiences. And it is such a... And you probably could say this to that experience is it's, a, it's such a blessing. And I don't take that for granted that people tell us about their um, vulnerable experiences. I, I, I learned so much. And often I feel like, why do I get to be the person listening to this? Because I feel so grateful and so changed and moved every time people share things with us. Yeah. It's, it's such a beautiful experience. Yeah. There's so much um, courage here that you both have, there's no roadmap for sort of this road you've been walking. I really respect you for talking about this before you're married um, and that you were able to process that together and you went in this marriage. And I love that then you felt impressed to do this Voices of Hope. Eight years ago is like three generations. I mean, that's a lifetime ago in the space of mm-hmm. LDS and same-sex attraction, LGBTQ. Oh, yeah. and Nobody I, really was talking about I mean, yeah. I've been in this space for four or five years, but eight years, and then the courage for you to share that story way back then. And I'm glad you were flooded with comments that were supportive because there's, I would guess there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds that your voice, your video gave them hope that there's other people like me walking this road and the principles you taught and the insights you shared. I also admire your I love your marriage. I love that you're completely honest. You said something I thought was such a, a high compliment. I think Sally said of Garrett, but you both said it of each other, that Garrett wanted to be completely honest. And I just, I'm not a marriage and family therapist, but I've sensed that honesty and vulnerability um, are cornerstones to healthy marriages. And you said something, Sally, also about, I, I have work to do on individually and as we you know, work individually and also together we grow together. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I just, you, 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 I wish everybody could see you what I can see you because I can see you on my screen and I see the interaction between you and the smiles between you and the, the chemistry between you. And you can just, just can tell you're a wonderful couple and a really happy marriage with the courage to talk about this part of your marriage. And I like Garrett saying, I don't particularly like labels. I don't like a label for my sexual orientation. I don't like a label for our marriage. And I recognize that at times you need to help people understand exactly where you are and take on those labels. Mm-hmm. But I've always felt listeners that let people take on the label that they feel works best for them or no label. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I shouldn't prescribe that to you or, or say you Correct. to be authentic, Garrett, you've got to use this label or that label. And you're right. in denial. If you don't lose this late, use You've heard all this stuff and I don't want to trigger mm-hmm. you by, I'm not saying it to you, but just the listeners. Right. No, I was, we were talking about this uh, the other night in a, uh, we were doing a ward leadership training in another ward. Um, and I gave the example of when a friend of mine uh, and I were talking about our faiths and I was really excited to have this new friend. And I knew he wasn't a member of our church, right? Of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, but I knew he was Christian. And I said something about, yeah, it's, you know, it's so great to, you know, meet another really, you know, a great Christian, which we're in the Bible Belt. So it's, it happens all the time. But, you know, I said something along that lines and he's like, yeah, well, you're not actually Christian. And I said, no, I, I am. And he's like, well, I mean, but you're not. And I said, I mean, 
Jesus Christ has changed my life. Like I've, I have personally felt that, that impact on my life. I felt the atonement, right? I felt like the spirit teach me and testify to me that he is real and living. Like I know Jesus Christ is real. I am a Christian. And he goes, yeah, well, but you know, you're not really not by like, you're not. And because I, I think because I wasn't a Protestant is what he was trying to tell me maybe, but he continued to tell me that I wasn't a Christian. And um, even though I think this is a great guy, you know, him telling me that I wasn't allowed to take that label on something that was really important to me was um, really impactful. Right. And I'm sitting there telling him that this is something that, that honestly does define who I am is, is being a Christian and, and following Christ. And um, I think, you know, as we were talking about that in the training, you know, a number of people raised their hands and said they'd had similar experiences where people have, have told them what, told them what they believe instead of asked and listened to what they believe. You know, I love that Garrett. What an important principle to share. I'd love you to have a talk about just where you want to go from the voices of hope video in 2013. Um, most of your marriages occurred since then. I think you were just married a couple of years and now you're married 11 yeah. years. So just talk about the period of wherever you want to go with this last eight years and then so, Go, and I then want to we'll make, talk about make, more stuff. Yeah, let me, I would like, can I make a comment on what yes, Garrett just said? Yes, please. Okay. So I often as a spouse, will people will tell me things about my marriage or about Garrett and it, it happens a lot. And at first I found a lot of people were telling me that, oh, Garrett's actually bi because he likes you. And I was like, okay, well, he wouldn't say that. <laughs> and that's when I started realizing like, who cares? Like what? And I realized like labels do mean something. Like if you, if you identify as a certain thing, then that has a lot of power to it. I'm not saying take that away, but like, why does someone else get to decide that? And, and lately I feel like this narrative that both Garrett and I have heard probably for the last year is that Garrett is not living his truth. And, um, that, I've really thought about that and that word of like truth. Like, what does that mean to live your truth? Am I living my truth? And what is Garrett's truth? Right. And truth to me is God. Right. So if God is truth and um, Garrett is finding happiness in this marriage and in the way that he is living out his life and experiencing his same sex attraction. And he finds happiness in God. Like he has, you know, chosen that, then that is his truth, you know, and that is where he can sit and feel fulfilled and happy. Right. And, um, so truth to me, that feels so, I don't know. I don't. For someone else to define what my truth yeah. is doesn't really feel like truth. Yeah. Right. Them, yeah. them, them deciding what living my truth looks like isn't isn't me living my truth, right? And yeah. me living my truth is putting God first in my life, uh, and that is where I'm honestly most comfortable and where I can really begin to focus on Him. And when when and, I'm able to do that, right, like it's it's a direction and it teaches me things. And I mean, there was a point where I honestly had decided I probably won't ever get married. 
Um, I feel like you decided that, yeah, before I was even in the picture, it was, you, you had yeah. decided I probably won't get married, yeah. but I'm going to choose this life. But I still God. wanted to choose, yeah. you know, and honestly, choose God. And if that meant that I was going to be celibate the rest of my life, then I, w- I was comfortable with that uh, because that's what I felt like a God's direction was for me. Uh, but I did say, you know, I wouldn't mind getting married to a woman. I've just uh, dated a lot of girls and it's never worked. Yeah. So, and I, I honestly believe that I've done my best and if, and it doesn't work. <laughs> so if, uh, if you want me to get married to a woman, then cool, but you're going to have to change something. You're going to have to make this work because what I've done isn't working on its own. I also want to say to people when they say things like this, but I'm, I'm not brave to like be confrontational, but... <laughs> You know, people who know Garrett and who are in our life would say that he's one of the most genuine people they meet. He's so like real and and he's not afraid to be real with others. Like he is living so much of a true sense of like truth in his life and living out what makes him who he is. And and he really believes in who he is. And and I can see that in other people as they tell me their experiences, no matter where they are in the life. Like I can see that in people when they are living, like what they feel like is their truth, you know? So I, I would just say that, that, that is a, um, I don't know, a cautious thing to say to someone to accuse someone of not living their truth. Um, That's so powerful. The real deal. It's so powerful what you said. And I just do everything I can to amplify that, that society has a, a sort of a, a narrative around living your truth, but how how difficult that is and how contrary that is to the idea that each person gets to decide their best path forward. And yeah. And that, I mean, that's part of God's plan is us getting to determine where we go. And who has the ability to look at someone's marriage and decide if it's a great marriage or not, or if it's, yeah, right. I mean, what kind of a world do we live in if we're looking at other people's marriages and trying to decide if they're living their truth or if it's a healthy marriage? And we should all just want every marriage to succeed and we Mm -hmm. shouldn't. Um, and mm-hmm. oh yeah, so I just very much agree with what you said, and I do hear that at times. And I think you're living your truth, and you're living your very best path, and you've been God given. That's been go- following God's plan for you, and open to the personal revelation. Go back to s- something you said right at the beginning of that segment, Sally. You said that some people want to define Garrett for you and label mm-hmm. him for you. Why would? And I recognize that's not. You did a good job of helping us understand why would people want to do that? Any thoughts on why people want to sort of get in the middle of this and start to label you guys? Yeah, I think that I think within specifically our church, people want to understand and put like a context or fit it into some place within the gospel. So for in order for it to work, Garrett must be attracted to women because that's part of like how it would fit into the gospel. And I think for me, that's kind of where it is. Like people want to, um, they're trying to understand, trying to understand and it's unfamiliar, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Especially in church culture, right? Even talking oh, yeah. about it is yeah. is unfamiliar in church yeah. culture. I actually have found we have found that people outside the church often are more um, kind of non judgmental of our marriage because it's a, like, yeah, you you live your best life, 
you do you, you know, within the church. They're like, that's not exactly how I learned it growing up. So I need you to give me some context for that. And that actually has been such a good place. We, we usually are open to those questions because it gives us a chance to say, Hey, this is, we'd love to share this with you about like our experience and Right. Well, and I think really what they're trying to do to understand, I mean, I think there's a couple ways to understand, right? One is now that I know you, I can put you in one of the boxes that I've decided uh-huh. how, how life operates. Right. And instead, I think where I don't really, you know, necessarily fit one of those boxes and I'm fine with that. Right. But instead, I think it's better if you really want to understand somebody, ask them about it, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's like my friend, you know, telling me that I wasn't Christian when I'm sitting there telling him I am. He decided which box I now fit in instead of telling me, yeah. oh, okay, so you say you're Christian, tell me about that, right? Instead of asking me about it. Um, and, right, there's, I think that's a completely different version of understanding. Sometimes right? in the church, I think, okay, you have to get out of like the you know how the missionaries lay out the cards for the plan of salvation and they're like, okay, which part do you fit into? And then like, we're there. It's all there. There's just more than just those eight pieces that the missionaries have cut out and not more pieces, but like, there's so much space there. Right. And, um, anyway, we, we, there's, we had some friends and they're really close friends and they, this is a good example of how this happened. So we had started hanging out with them when we first moved to where we are. And right away we could tell they were saying a lot of things that were very like, um, how do you describe it? They would talk about like gay people and talk about the people they know that have SSA and not, in their not negatively, but yeah. they, they were bringing it up a lot, a lot. And we were like, oh, and, maybe we should tell them. And we had just decided you know? like months prior, like, why don't we just take a break from talking yeah. about this for a little so while? probably six just years relax ago. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, anyway, yeah. they like finished the conversation and then, you know, they look at us at dinner and they said, so tell us something we don't know about you guys. We were like, and we were both uh... thinking anything but that, anything but that. <laughs> so we avoided it for a little while, but after a few weeks of, uh, I don't know how long it was, maybe a couple months. Um, my friend said to me, like, she knew someone who was married to a gay man he was only married to, or yeah, they were only married because like the woman was not attractive. I think that was the statement. And I was like, okay, I got to tell you something because that was super offensive. And I know you didn't mean it that way, but let me tell you about my marriage. And it really was like, she listened so well, but it was honestly probably two weeks of her coming back to my house and being like, okay, I have more questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you explain this to me? Mm-hmm. And I, wa- she really, I watched your video, I watched video a yeah. third time. Yeah. I have more questions now as she was yeah. seeking to understand. And honestly, they've become one of some, there are some of our closest friends and very much becoming allies to this and to this cause. And, and, allies to people that are different than them and things that they don't know and they haven't experienced. And, you know, that's just one example, but I feel like it can be a lot for people to ask us lots of questions. I mean, we get a lot of questions and um, it's always a good, it can be a good teaching opportunity. Yeah. Even for us just to say, we don't have to say like, we'd like to teach you something, but just to like say it, they're like, it just kind of does something to where they're like, oh, that's not exactly how I thought it could be. Or I didn't know that was what it was, but now I have like a bigger box that you fit into, or I have an extra space, you know, that you can fit into. And, and yeah. Oh, Sally and Garrett, that's a great segment. And I love just 
that specific example of somebody that came with boxes around this space and they had made kind of these conclusions of how all these boxes worked and they were interested enough in bringing it up proactively just in casual conversation. And they put that box that about, you know, whatever you just said. And, and then you were brave enough to, sh- to come forward and share your experience and, and the process that they went through to listen, to learn, to see your video, to come back with questions has grown their box. Um, they didn't have to change brave of their, them too. They didn't change their doctrine. They didn't, you know, they just grew their box. And I think that's important for all listeners is to I love this quote of Elder Uchtdorf. Sometimes we have to get past the massive iron gates of what we thought we already knew. Um, and that's sometimes I've had those, the massive iron gates of what I thought I knew and yeah. the boxes were kind of constructed. And in this space, particular listeners, I think it's good to have not have iron gates up or a lot of preset opinions and conclusions. And I know maybe, maybe a wooden gate that you just kind of add some planks I to love it and gets that, a little Sally. bit bigger, you know, <laughs> because then they be, and I love you said they become your, some of your best friends. And Mm -hmm. it did in it. And so I just think that's a really important principle for listeners is to hear multiple stories. Sometimes I'll hear somebody who's had a couple of LGBTQ friends and they've sort of checked the box. They know that space. They've heard a few stories and they've sort of got, you know, the three boxes in their mind. This is how it all works. And, you know, after you, you know, the space obviously really well, that's not the way it works. Every story is a little different. Every box is a little mm-hmm. different. And if, mm-hmm. if we're going to bear more in comfort, we've got to listen to people's stories to then. Yeah. So just keep talking. I'd love you to talk about more about the last eight years. Yeah. Um, I'd love you to talk about your managing the voices of hope project for North star. And you've started a podcast yeah. just wherever you want to go. Yeah. So, so our video coming out, um, like I said, we had so many people reach out. It's continued to happen um, over those eight years, right? We've, we continue to have people reach out to us and talk to us um, and look for resources and things like that. Right. Um, And that's something I think where we really had the opportunity to listen to more stories and um, to really just kind of walk with people on their paths, right? I've even had uh, people of other faiths reach out and say, my faith doesn't have any resources here and I need some help. Like I need, I need somebody to talk to me and give me some hope that I, you know, don't have to hate myself for these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just something that we've, we've learned a lot about over the years. Right. And that um, all came because of the voices of hope project, right. Um, which was eventually assimilated by North Star. Um, and North Star, we've um, learned a lot from and really, really appreciate the value that North Star brings into our lives, right? Um, and <clears throat> I don't know how many people talk about it as often as they do, but, you know, they call themselves North Star because, you know, Jesus Christ is the North Star, right? Jesus Christ is the direction we're going. And um, navigating these conversations is oftentimes difficult and confusing. And uh, when you when you try to put it back into the gospel, right? And and it's difficult for people to to navigate that, right? That was that was, you know, I'm able to talk about this now, but there was 10 plus years of my life where I had no idea where I stood in relation to the church, in you know, to my own sexuality. 
and how those two pieces intersected because it seemed to me for a long time that they couldn't, right? And um, North Star, I think, has done a really good job of trying to provide a space for that um, and being very open that says, and saying, we don't have all the answers, but we know the direction we need to go, mm-hmm. right? Which is Christ. As long as, like, if we can talk about Christ and focus on Christ, like, that's the direction that he'll, like, we need to go, even if we don't really understand exactly how each person is going to navigate that path individually. I think people would be surprised at, um, if you've never been to any type of North Star event, the diversity there is eye opening. Yeah, wonderful. And it's yeah. incredible. It, it's on, we've gone to the conference a couple of times and it has just, and again, you know, we've done this, we've been around this for a while and that is one of my favorite places because it's people that aren't just like us, you know, it's, it's a lot of different experiences with people that are even a little bit moving towards Jesus Christ. And you can just really feel that there. And we honestly, the conference, the best word I would describe it is heavenly. And I'm like, and I mean that in the truest sense, it really feels so peaceful, so intentional and, and people really trying to do their best and seek the spirit in the best way they know how, which is really all we ask of anybody. All God asks of anybody, right. Is just seek, seek him out in, in the best way. Um, and that's something, you know, I've, I've learned over the years, um, as I've had the opportunity to talk to people of their face, you know, that I really believe they're trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's really important. One of the things that I think, um, you kind of mentioned this, but as we talk to a lot of people and, um, you know, are asked to share our story, we are all constantly humbled at the fact that like, we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. In fact, we mostly know our experience, you know, and Garrett knows his experience. And um, that I think that's really important for us is just to continue to say, like, you know, move towards Jesus Christ. And, you know, you can find happiness in a lot of lots of places because Jesus Christ brings happiness no matter where you are in your life. Right. So it doesn't matter if you are in the church or out, outside of the church, right? That, that Jesus Christ will continue to bring hope in your life. And if that's something that like is a choice that someone makes to leave the church, I just, I would hope that like they would continue to seek Jesus Christ. And um, so that's always like our thing that we, because yeah. it can kind of be overwhelming for people to ask us a lot of questions. And we're like, I, I'm not the person that knows all these answers. You know, in fact, there's a lot of people that know way more about this than, than me, but, um, but I don't think it's bad to just point people towards the savior. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I listeners, um, you know, my experience with North Star is great. I have been to several of the North Star general sessions and I felt a great spirit there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm uncomfortable with the criticism that North Star gets at times that it's keeping LGBT people in the church and people mm-hmm. that have left that seems, and I hope that people that have left can extend the grace to North Star and its mission because there's a lot of LGBTQ Latter Saints that want to stay in the church yeah. and mm-hmm. can stay mm-hmm. in the church and are doing just fine in the church. And, mm-hmm. And so I hope that we extend this grace that I sense you're extending to others is to just honor people on their paths and mm-hmm. and recognize the good that North Star is 
is giving to lots of people. I've seen that firsthand. One of the finest talks on the Savior and taking on his burden was a talk I heard from Spencer Thompson a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful, man. It's just, it was a wonderful talk that applied to everybody. Yeah. Um, no matter straight LGBTQ in the church, out of the church, um, it was the role of Christ to take on our burdens and he's waiting to take on those burdens. He's paid the price and it doesn't add to his burdens, but please turn to him. And I've thought about his talk many times on my own personal journey and the principles that he taught. And he sort of just knows the savior. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is, he's sort of talking first person um, with an authentic voice that, that, tra- that scales to all of us take needing our savior to take on our burdens. And so, and I'm, you know, that's obviously what also you're sharing. So I've, I really do appreciate the role of North star and the voices of hope and, and the work of that organization. I think it can be tricky. Sometimes people have questions of like, how do I teach, you know, doctrine within LGBTQ experience if it feels, if people have hurt feelings around it, or it can be hard to teach. Um, but I think like what you were saying, I, I, I think I remember when Spencer talked about that. And the, the thing that I think I have learned is that true principles well, can bring happiness. And I think I already said this, true principles can bring happiness no matter where you are in your life. And we've seen that with lots of people and even in our own experience too Mm -hmm. that you don't have to be going to church every Sunday or even be currently participating to feel God's love in your life. Right. And even really tricky doctrine can still bring peace. And I think that as we teach, and this is something that I I, I feel comfortable sharing with leaders and wards that, that, don't, don't be afraid to teach true doctrine. Now there's like culture that we shouldn't like emphasize, right? If we can make sure we're teaching true principles, right? Those are the things that always bring peace and happiness. Love that. So. More thoughts on just keep sharing your story, stuff that comes to your mind. Yeah. Um, like the last eight years. So we're now... The Voices of Hope project, which had a huge impact on our lives, right? We're now managing that project, um, which is a lot of effort. Um, Well, I want to tell you how we got doing this. (laughs) So I actually volunteered with North Star or Voices of Hope um, way back, I don't know, 2014, I think. And I have a little baby and it was just overwhelming and I had to kind of step back from it. And um, I... It's a big project, what the Voices of Hope project, and it is a beautiful name. Um, the goal is to have a thousand voices within this project, and um, there's that's not. I think there's eighty right now. Anyway, so after, after eight years, yeah, right? so we're yeah, we're, it's, it's going to be a while. Yeah. So I so I volunteered with them for a little bit, and then kind of just like I kind of wanted to take take a step back with our family, and we were really busy and moving and things. Not that we're not busy. We have four kids now, so we're so busy. But last year, Garrett was approached to um, kind of take over Voices of Hope. And um, he, he talked about it for several months. And I was like, I know how big this is. If you decide to do this, it's a lot, you know. And under no circumstances will I help you. 
with this because <laughs> I was pregnant at the time. She was very clear about that. And I was like, I will not do this with you. And he was like, okay. But then he felt really, he felt very prompted to do it. No, I, I said no. Yeah. Only to yeah. realize I'm wrong. This is the wrong decision. Yeah. And um, we, we both did. We were like, yeah, you for sure need to do that. Yeah. So in December, we had our fourth baby. And um, then in January, when I'm, that's all the free time in the world. Um, I woke up one morning and really early and I felt the spirit telling me that you need to help Garrett with Voices of Hope. And, and so anyway, that day I told Garrett, I'm just, I'm going to make myself co-chair with you. And he was like, I don't think you can do that. And I was like, I'm doing it because I feel like that's what God wants me to do. And, and, and now she's co-chair. And now we do this together. And cool. and it has been, it's been great. I, it's, a de- it's definitely a big project. I mean, you can probably attest to the this. It, it's a lot to to gather these experiences and make it happen and make it work. And and um, but we feel we felt like this is a time when people need. There cannot be too many voices. There cannot be enough podcasts. There cannot be enough resources within the, our church for people that need to be heard. I think it's so important right now. And. Um, and I, re- I really think that one of the best ways to do that is exactly what you do, which is sharing mm-hmm. stories, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many principles um, and things we can learn from each other just by listening to each, each other's stories. You know, yeah. I've heard so many nightmare stories of people going to their bishop and their bishop giving them terrible advice. And I've heard really good stories too, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that, I think you know, on the exact opposite. And I had really positive experiences with my bishops. And um, I think that it's so important to be able to talk about really both of those mm-hmm. so that so that we can, uh, you know, because our bishops and things like that aren't provided real formal training. They're not there ever. They're not like, <laughs> you know, they're, counselors. Yeah, they're not professionals, no. right? In, in they're fact, lawyers. This is, and this is what business. they're doing. This is on the side, in addition to their yeah. full-time job and families, you know? And so... We've had state, our, you know, we've had a state president come to us in tears and just saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And honestly, we can say, like, I don't know what to either, but let's talk. Yeah. Let's just, let's talk about this, you know? And that's kind of where the leadership training, which we haven't done many, but I think it's important that that this does get talked about in this way, you know? Yeah. And, and even then we focused really on stories, right? There's yeah. like, I really think there's so much principles with stories, you know, and from each other and the good and bad and being able to talk about, you know, if it was bad, what could it have been? How, yeah. how could it have come better? Right. And then being able to share the good experiences, you know, and being able to share those with each other in new ways that we had missed before things. Right. Is, voice, thing are, sorry, is voices of hope a podcast only, or is it video and podcast? No, it's the talk project has been, that. um, that's a great question. Yeah, the, the project has been uh, video format, video and essays, right? It started as a book where it was just essays. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's a video project that also has essays. Um, and this year, we expanded that to be a podcast as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that for a number of reasons. One of those is uh, accessibility, right? Like... Um, for somebody to be able to film and share their story, it, it requires a lot of traveling. Uh, it can be really expensive to produce these, these videos. Um, and the podcast can, can eliminate a lot of that for us and allow people to share voices um, on the other side of the world. 
right? There's a lot of international people that want to share and... And we want those voices, right? We want those people to be able to share their testimonies, share their personal experiences Mm -hmm. and what we can learn from these different cultures, uh, which is something that's really important, right? And I think that the podcast really has the opportunity to do that. Um, And, you know, it's just really easy for people to push play, you know, when they're driving somewhere or heading somewhere and be able to listen on their journey, right? And to be able to share in those experiences. Yeah, so so it's now both, and the uh, the podcast has just become a new extension of it um, as we're trying to do that. And it's got the same name; it's called the Voices of Hope podcast. Yeah, love right. that name. Anything yeah. to give hope to others is just great. Talk yeah. wherever you want to go on this podcast. I'd love you if you want to, because to, you've had a lot of experience coaching and helping leaders that have reached out to you. And I love that that stick president reached out to you. And I just mm-hmm. imagine you've had hundreds of conversations with local leaders, just general principles you'd like to share with local leaders, um, young women's president, mm-hmm. young men's presidents, bishop stick presidents that would like to hear four or five tips, principles, um, yeah. as they're wanting to, to do the right thing in their congregation. And maybe um, some that are wondering, is it time to talk about this and actually do bring this subject up? What advice mm-hmm. would you, you know, some on an individual level will talk about it, but some leaders are saying, I got to talk about this in my ward. My whole ward sort of talking about this. We need to learn how to talk about this in the walls of our church. I need to do something. So that's kind of right. two questions. <laughs> the thing is, if we don't talk about it, it's going to get talked in other ways, right? It, it is being talked about. Mm-hmm. And if we're willing to talk about it in the walls of the church and you know, outside the walls of the church and within the framework of the church, it, where all of those people are just going to leap. Yeah. Right? They really will. And on top of that, we're going to have the people that love those people, they're going to leave too. Right. And, and that's what I feel like is happening is, is instead of being able to talk about it and being able to say, we love and support everyone. um, The people that aren't willing to talk about it are getting their feelings hurt. Right. Or, you know, when it's not being able to talk about feelings get hurt and, and people leave. And that's obviously not what it, what it should be. You know, Um, there should be, there should be room for everyone in the gospel, truthfully. Right. The, I mean, that's why we're all here is to be able to return to our Heavenly Father. And nobody ever said, you know, that there's a limit <laughs> on, on the heaven capacity. And, and that's so important, I think, that we remember that everyone is welcome in the gospel. Um, and everyone really should be welcome at church. Um, even, even if we don't understand their experience or their story, right? They should be welcome there. And, and we should be able to provide a safe space for them to to come to understand more about their savior. Uh, in a recent um, training we did, someone made the comment. I was, I was teaching about this idea of uh, marginalized, like how we marginalize people. And I used a quote from um, sister. Uh, sister Carol McConkie, she said, the gospel of Jesus Christ does not marginalize people. People marginalize people. If we are going to build the kingdom of God on earth, we need everyone to come. Um, that's from a video that the church put out in 2016. But the most interesting about that thing about that was I had someone in the audience raised their hand and said, I think it's important to understand that marginalizing has two sides to it, that we can marginalize people, but also people can marginalize themselves. And I think sometimes we 
like to think like we are so different and so unique that there's no way that anybody can understand, right? And that that's not a safe place either. Right? So ev- if everybody can come to the table, right? LGBT, not LGBT, whatever experience you have, come to the table and let's all see if we can lift each other and grow together, right? So, um, and be just be willing to listen to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was an interesting thing that I kind of had an aha moment too. See, I love teaching people because then they they teach me, and so. Um, that's, I love that. I love that quote. Yeah. I love what you're sharing. More tips for yeah. if I'm calling in, I'm a local leader and I just want to do the right thing here. What are some things, tips? Um, I guess there's two categories. One, if they do a general meeting and one just individually counseling, wherever you want to go with that. Well, number number one, I would say the most important thing is asking and listening to what they have to say. Because until you really begin to understand their experience, and this is exactly what you're doing, right? Is you realized you didn't understand something and you asked about it, said, tell me about this. And as you began to listen, you realized, oh, this isn't what I thought this was, right? And and to understand that you had more to learn about that, right? I think that really is like one of the most important principles. I think my favorite comment is when people say, nobody in my ward deals with that, so we don't need it. And we're like, that is not true. There's no way. <laughs> that might be one word somewhere, but yeah. I've never had, a, I've never seen a word like that. No, my, in almost every word I've been in, there's been at least three members, Yeah, at least three members that deal with it. Um, and I definitely know of words in our state that have double that, right? Yeah. Um, and those are just the ones I personally know about. So I think just saying right off the bat, like there's a need to talk about this. I guarantee there's a need for the youth to talk about it because they are talking about it, right? And it's not going to hurt. This isn't something that's going to hurt people to talk about. It's not going to like, like, I don't know what you think is going to happen when this gets talked about, but it's going to help people love better and to understand a unique experience. Um, one of the things, one of the tips we, I gave or what we decided to give was, um, you know, if if asking people about their LGBTQ experience seems too big for you, like too scary, and like, I don't know anything about that, that seems like it's going down the place that I just don't know, I want to avoid that. Um, I, I suggest find somebody that's just different than you and ask them about their experience. If you want to practice this, just anything that's different. Maybe it's someone that's a single mom or a... Uh, you know, alcoholic. Culture. I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah, they're from a different. They just like, got baptized. Anybody, Tell me what that was anybody like. Anybody that's different, right? Yeah. Just start somewhere, maybe just a little bit, and then eventually get to the place where you can start asking the scary things. You know, this year I felt really, like I said, I only know our experience, and now that we're working with Voices of Hope, I really feel like we need more um, transgender voices in there. There's just not a lot anywhere, you know, and. So this whole year, I just was feeling like I need to know that better. And I don't even know where to start. It feels a little bit intimidating to me because it's just so unknown to me. So I just kind of had this in my heart. And when I went to the North Star Conference, um, I met Bree, who was on your podcast. And, you know, for two days, I kind of thought I should talk to her. And then I just kind of just, where do we start? And it's busy and she's so busy and... And I woke up the last day and the spirit was like, you need to ask Bree about her experience. And 
I had this very cool thing where we both walked into the hallway at one point and um, we're able to really just, we met in the bathroom and had church right there for 15 minutes. And she shared about her experience, but I'm just admitting that it took me several months to get to the point where I could actually ask those questions. And that's okay. That's okay that it took me a little bit. But now that I asked those questions, I'm like, I want to know more. I, that was such a great experience. And so anyway, just start somewhere, right? Just start somewhere and start asking something, you know, because. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think the Marjorie Hinckley had a quote that said, you know, there isn't a person you wouldn't love if you, you could read their whole story. Yeah. Right. And I think that's really the message here is that like all of these people, you know, we, we sometimes decide that they have these single labels, right? Um, whatever that is. And that label could, that label could be anything. The label could be architect, right? That label could be teacher um, or anything else. And you kind of define a person by that label instead of, instead of that label being one piece of that person, right? You know, cause like, while I do have same sex attraction, right. It's like I was saying earlier, right. I also am a mountain biker. I'm also an architect. I'm also a father, you know, I'm also a big foodie and I will eat tacos every day because I love that, you know, and there's all these other pieces of me that, um, if people chose to only, uh, only put me in one single box, one single label, right. That they would be missing all these other parts of me. And I don't think that's fair for us to do that to other people either. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the best way to do that is to ask about these people. And as as we as we talk to them, I think we grow in empathy and really understand new things about each other. Right? We sound like a broken record. We keep saying that. <laughs> Obviously, we have the that we're consistent in our message. <laughs> I think I think because we have felt. Gosh, I am so. I feel so much love from people when we talk about our experience it's when we really just like open up and share very few people have negative things to tell us to our face i should say that (laughs) but like that that feels so good and it lifts us up right when we share and then it's like positive and people love us back like that is a mutual experience Mm -hmm. you know i just can't even say enough things about that that's so beautiful but um I love, yeah. I love all these things you're sharing with us. Um, that story about Brie, your your honesty about um, getting to know transgender Latter Day Saints, wanting to have their voices on your channel and have share more experiences. But I love that you were just honest. I'm not sure I know how to talk to a trans person. I might say the wrong thing. I might yeah. add to their burden. You're coming this from a position of love, and so naturally you're not sure you want to engage in that conversation, but you feel the spirit moving you to do that. And then you have this wonderful experience with Brie and you then connect with Brie and then you're more confident in the space to talk to other trans people. And yeah, I, I love the things you're teaching about having us come together as the same human family. I Listeners, you know, I kind of talk about this sometimes that there's groups we're associated with because we're, we are alike. Um, political parties tend to have the same political beliefs and we're unified in a p- political platform or a, 
an organization or a club or a membership here, but our congregations are different. I think of Elder Cook's quote, unity and diversity. We're not, it's our congregations aren't an extension of our club or our political party or our membership in this. They're a place where we, there's more differences and more diversity, Mm -hmm. but we can still be unified in our love of the gospel of Jesus Christ, our commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to bear one another's burdens. But to sort of connect with people, I love some of the things you're teaching about. If you're not ready to talk to an LGBTQ person or someone with same-sex attraction, go talk to somebody who's newly baptized or mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. develop the skills to talk to people outside of your normal circle um, so that it's easier to do that and you learn that skill. Um, mm-hmm. Just really wonderful principles. Talk about, we're kind of coming up to the end, talk about how people get to the Voices of Hope podcast and video We'll put that as a link, listeners, in our podcast so you can link to it, but just share with us how to find that. Yeah, so the Voices of Hope project is uh, is part of North Star, like you said now, right? So that's on uh, northstarlds.org, um, and on there, it's one of the features. Uh, the podcast is the Voices of Hope podcast, um, and that is on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Great. And you can reach us. I mean, I don't know if people would want to contact us there. They probably maybe, but, would. <laughs> okay. Um, podcast at northstarlds.org. And that's a good place if you we could direct you somewhere from there. Are but, you looking yeah, for- and we, we want that to be a place where we're able to have, you know, some hard conversations. And, and what we've got is, you know, a set of road a few sets of rotating hosts um, to be able to make that project a little more manageable on our end um, and to get multiple perspectives. Like that's something we really, really try to do on purpose is to have, you know, these rotating hosts that have different perspectives um, to be able to make sure that we are able to talk about all these different aspects of the gospel from different points of view and get, you know, personal experiences from all these different points of view. uh, Because I think that is really, really important. Um, I want to just share a thought or two and then give it back to you for final comments. But we've kind of talked about this mixed orientation marriage label. And on page 264 of my book, I just want to read a couple paragraphs from this, just listeners, my own personal journey. And it starts with, we hope that they succeed. Before I stepped in the space, my only... The only moms, that's an abbreviation for a mixed orientation marriage listeners I was aware of were those that failed. I had thus falsely concluded from my limited sample size and understanding that all MOMs failed. It was only after interviewing several couples in mixed orientation marriage that my conclusions changed. I actually felt a rebuke by the, from the Spirit during one of these interviews for my false conclusions. Now, I understand these marriages can be beautiful and authentic love stories in which honesty, communication, vulnerability, power of and commitment to eternal covenants and common eternal goals create a strong and healthy foundation. I also assume my awareness of successful mixed orientation marriage is limited, as there are likely many couples who are not sharing this part of their lives with others, and there should no be and there should be no requirement to do so. So it kind of comes back as I read my own words and my own journey in this space, I kind of come back to my own box I had created to use the visual you've shared on this podcast that I had created a box from a very small sample size and then I'd sort of moved on. And that's that's how that works. 
And it's just part of listeners, my invitation to, I call it the trap of unearned opinions, is we develop opinions and conclusions often that cause us to add to the burdens of others with our limited understanding. And it takes a lot of humility to not develop conclusions or opinions until we meet with a lot of people in the very space we're trying to develop conclusions about. And and so... And you're teaching that in real time with, you know, and you've, that, I love that couple experience that you, they had conclusions and then they visited with you. They're open to learning and then they've become great friends and listeners. I think that's what we can do in our congregations is create, this is how we create Zion is we kind of get out of this box thinking and we come together as the same human family and we're willing to share everybody's story and then we have vulnerable and real and authentic connection that brings us together and knits. Our, I love knits our hearts together. I think the word knit is used once in the whole, I, I can't be, I'm not a scriptorian listeners, but it is one of my favorite Book of Mormon scriptures. Our hearts are knit together. And to me, that includes, you know, all the different voices that are in our congregations with all the different lived experiences and the uniqueness that Heavenly Father has created in all of us. And we need all of that uniqueness to knit our hearts together as one and create Zion. And you two are just awesome. There's a great spirit about you. You have a very unique life mission. I, It takes a lot of courage to do what you did in 2013 and what you continue to do. But there, you know this, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that feel more hope because of you. But it takes, it might be exhausting at times to continually educate people and start from ground zero with somebody. So I'm glad Voices of Hope exists so that people can hear more and more stories and and um, they can just sort of learn. So you're doing great work and I'm so supportive of North Star and what you're doing in your individual life um, and the beauty of your family. Just share with us any concluding thoughts. Um, I had this thought while you were, I'll, I'll go and then let Garrett finish, um, while you were reading that part of your book. Um, you know, this is Garrett's experience in our marriage, but also this is my experience in my marriage. And this is part of my plan too from Heavenly Father. And I feel very much that um, this, I'm not just like doing this by accident or I'm not just like the byproduct of our marriage that, that I I'm not sure if I can like put this into words, but like, this is as much my plan as it is Garrett's plan. And I feel that very strongly. Like just now I was realizing that that was something that, you know, I think like we always talk about Garrett's experience, this and Garrett's experience with SSA and, but this is my experience and I'm supposed to be here. And um, I don't want that to change. I feel so grateful to be in this space and, I often just think like, why me? Why do I get to be here? Why do I get to be amidst this wonderful community of people that I feel so much love and I learned so much about my savior more than I ever thought I could. But I know that's because this is part of my plan to be here and to be in this marriage with Garrett. And um, I hope that makes sense, but I am so, I love that. I feel so, I feel so blessed and, um, it can be a lot and it can be, um, you know, when you said it can be exhausting, I think, yeah, sometimes, but when you're doing like the work of the Lord, that 
somehow you, you, you keep doing what's important, you know, and he makes it happen. Like it's a miracle that things happen with like things come out of my brain because I have four kids and if it does, it's important. So I feel like this is, this is important because God is making it a priority in both of our lives and we'll do it till it, till it's not, you know? And, but I'm, I'm really grateful to be in this space and I'm grateful for, um, for the space you've created for people to share. It's that, you know, I, I just, I love being here and I love doing this with Garrett. So I never want people to think of me as a victim or like, whoa, oh, that poor girl, she has to be married to that man with the SSA. I, I mean, that's not true. <laughs> we have a pretty fun marriage. We love throwing parties. Yeah. <laughs> We love having fun with people and we have a dance party almost every day. We do the dishes. Yeah. So. I, I love the family and marriage we've created. And I it's not love... something that should be, I hope no one ever puts us on a pedestal of like, that's the perfect marriage because there's no, no marriage like that. But, but I feel I, like. I love we, that, Sally. I love just the sense of purpose and I validate that. That's genuine. That's living your truth to use society's language. <laughs> Um, I'm going to turn it back to Garrett, but I'm just going to now, yeah. you prompted me to read something else from the book. It's the very next paragraph. I sometimes hear of a spouse in a mixed orientation marriage referred to as the hero for making the marriage work. In some cases, this refers to the straight spouse and other to the LGBTQ or same-sex attraction spouse. I'm not sure we should judge who is more or less of a hero in a mixed orientation marriage. I'm not sure any of us understand the complexities of a marriage of another's marriage to elevate one spouse over the other. I love that so much. That's exactly how it feels. And when you said sometimes they're called the hero and I immediately felt terrible about myself because yeah. if she's the hero, that meant I'm the villain. Yeah. Right. right. So I've and, heard sort of the, I've heard some of this language and I'm uncomfortable to sort oh. of elevate one of you above the other. So that's, go ahead. I think I'll that's turn really, it back to you, Garrett. I think that's really like the message that, you know, I've been taught so many times from Institute and other places, right? That a marriage isn't math, right? It's not one plus one equals one whole marriage, right? Because it doesn't work, right? It's one whole person times one whole person equals one whole marriage, right? It's multiplication. And if you've got half a person, right? Someone who's not willing to be complete and not willing to look at themselves and figure themselves out and they're not in a good place, you're not, you know, one times one half is the half, or you can have a marriage that's not really functioning, right? You'll have half that marriage. And it really is about both of you being able to do your own work, understand yourself, be comfortable and confident in what you is, or who, what you is, what you believe and who you are. And um, then being able to come together and support each other on the journey, right? Um, I would say like the one thing that I would like to end on though is... You know, I have a testimony of the gospel, right? And like Jesus Christ has honestly changed me and I felt redeemed by that. And I would say the number one thing and message that I feel, feel so deeply is that the gospel is for everyone, right? And it's so easy, uh, I think, sometimes in church culture to think, well, that person's not ready or, you know, they're not, they're not ready to talk about that or, well... 
you know, we, we, it's what you were describing earlier, these boxes, which is really, you know, bias, <laughs> right. As, as we all have our personal bias that we uh, grew up from our own experiences because we didn't have other experiences. And the only way to eliminate that bias is by understanding these other experiences. Um, but if the gospel is for everyone and everyone needs it, then we need to understand how to get out of those boxes and how to be able to, to invite somebody into church when they don't fit the mold that we would expect them to. Love that, Garrett. Great insights. You two are a great couple, and we could go on further, listeners, but we're going to sign off. And please go to North. It's give us that web address one more time where everything then comes from. I think you it's, said northstarlds.com. Is that right? Dot org. Dot org. Sure. North Star. We're going to check that out, listeners, real quick. Um, yeah, northstarlds.org. And I love your reason. You talked about why you chose North Star way back then, the leaders, the original leaders of North Star and and the role of North Star and the great work you're doing. And please connect with the, um, the North Star podcast listeners. I, I'm not the kind of podcast guy that just wants this podcast to work. I love all these podcasts to work and, yeah. and um, all the people that are stepping forward to create space for us to better come together and understand. So Sally and Garrett Ferguson from Texas, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your love of Texas. My wife has ingrained that in our family, my Texas-born wife, and that's certainly part of our family culture. And thank you, listeners, for joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. <laughs>